Friday, 10 o'clock. I'm back here doing my thing again at 10 o'clock. So today I've got my girlfriend, Tanisha Bunday, who I love, 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 who I've had on before as, a, as my fashion stylist. But today we're, we're back talking something other than fashion. We're talking foster care and adoption. And she's here with her co-worker, um, Jackie Morris from the Children's Community Program in New Haven. And they're over on 446 Blake Street. So they up in here going to talk to me about foster care and adoption. Like they want me to be adopted again. I'm like... So Jackie was like, how, how old are your kids? I was like, 20, 18, 7, 16, and 15. Ah. <laughs> so she's like, wait five years. I said, you're going to have to catch me in Europe because I swear I'm going to be on the run. So, hey, Tanisha, how are you, my dear? You have to come close to that mic because I can't, I, can't, I can't hear them. You have to get really close. Like, this yes, see, there that's we better. Go. So now I could hear you. You know there how to do go. this. Yeah. Are you close to? I think I am. Yeah. Closer. You want me closer? Yeah. Okay. I can't, I can't hear My her. Is in the mic. Can you hear her, Harry? <laughs> All right. We want everybody here because this is going to be a good conversation and we don't want to miss anything. It sure is. All right. So tell me about the state of foster care and adoption right now. Give me some. Tell me. Tell you some states of foster care. Well, the biggest push that we have right now is really trying to get homes that are appropriate and willing to take in kids of all different ages all different stages. That's our biggest thing right now. Across the state, we are attempting to recruit families who are diverse. Mm-hmm. We are looking for everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we need same-sex couples. We need black families. We need white families. We need green families. We need red families. So how many children are we talking about? Now, typically, we say across the state, there's at least 400 children wow. that are still out there mm-hmm. that are in need of homes. Now, okay. it could be more at this point. It could be less. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we still need to have open, available homes that are appropriate and are willing to parent differently than what they may be used to in order to work with our kids. Our kids come in, they have traumas that they've experienced, and we have to be willing as a community of people who say we want to see our lives better, our country to become better, to want to better ourselves to be able to support a child who may come into your home and not necessarily look and seem like they want your help. Mm -hmm. But over a period of time, if you're willing to be a participant in their life and understand where it is that they're coming from and where they're at when they come to you, you then may have an opportunity to show and impart some knowledge Mm -hmm. and some nurturance and some guidance. So what age range are we talking about? Like when... When people say, I want, you know, when you come, Jackie, to talk about fostering, and uh, what, what, do you, what am I, I thinking you. about? <laughs> um, Don't try to sell me. Cause come I'm, on, I'm going to sell you today. Mm, mm, girl. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> I got to do Get it. it Jackie. Know, and I, it's not just a job. It's a know, lifestyle I love for me. kids. So, you know, I have to love them. I have four. So, Well, here's the thing. We are looking for our agency typically services kids anywhere from the ages of 6 to 18. Okay. All right. But. There are times when you have especially sibling groups that come in mm-hmm. that they could be younger than six. Mm-hmm. So you might have the six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and you might have a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or you might have a teen that's coming in and it's not necessarily that they're coming in and they're disgruntled and they're not going to be able to be a part of your family. They're coming in because of circumstances that happen with their family Mm -hmm. and they're coming in needing to have somebody to reassure them that they're going to be okay and they can meet the next step or goal or challenge in their life. So if I'm 18 and people are like 18, Jackie, and we've had this situation, 18 year old had a, 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 tumultuous relationship with their mother and needed to have some guidance, thought they were going to be able to stay with their father, had two scholarships on the table. And unfortunately their father had some circumstances that came up and they couldn't stay with the father. They needed to come into care. So they came into care and the family that took her in was able to guide her through her senior year of high school, help her to transition into college and, you know, the first year of college is really a hard time for I kids know. to adjust I remember. and acclimate and become self-reliant. Yes. Okay, at 18, yes. I wasn't any of those things. I was trying, but I wasn't really all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, having someone to be that go-between to be able to say, if I couldn't call her mom and dad, they were right there. And they supported her through her challenges in college, where she even actually had to leave the institution she had initially went to and had them to assist her with finding something that worked better for her. Mm-hmm. And she still has that relationship with them, as well as finding her relationship back with her family. So this is something that we look to parents um, who are willing to be a part of this process to come in and do. And it does take a lot to be a part of this But I think if your heart is in the right place, that's going to be the thing that makes you say that I want to be able to foster or I want to be able to adopt. Okay, so now um, so your your own standalone organization. Uh, How closely do you work with DCF? How closely do you work with? I don't know. Whoever else is out there. We're contracted through DCF. Okay, And the majority, I would say 99 um, percent of our referrals come through Mm -hmm. DCF. So what kind of support do you provide to families? Like if I was gonna do this and I'm not, what? <laughs> see, what, what see, is, audience, no, don't I you hear the her? Dealer, the deal seller. <laughs> look, 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 look. Here you go. You know you what? See, you hear her audience. She wants to do no, this. I She's don't. interested. No. Come on, Tanisha, help me, girl. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> She's trying to help you to come on in. Come on. So, in. what kind of support? Like, like, if my listening audience is is out there and they're like, hmm, I've been wanting to do something like this. What kind of supports are in place? Like, am I out there by myself doing this with these no. children? What? How, how do no, you, you have a dedicated team. Okay. I mean, last night I was out meeting with a family until eight o'clock at night mm-hmm. because I wanted to reassure them that they could ask, ask me any questions that they wanted to. And I would answer as honestly as I could mm-hmm. in regards to whatever questions they had. Um, what we offer as supports as an agency, and this is a contract that we have as well, but I think our team is really awesome. Um, so what we do is we typically, when a kid is referred to our agency, the first things we do is we look at that referral We try to see what issues may be present for that child. And then we look at our pool of families. Mm -hmm. Once we look at whatever family is available, we say to ourselves, what might they need to be able to support the ideas and the goals that are associated with that kid? And as we look forward, we go, let's compile that information, make sure the family knows all this so they can make an informed decision. First thing. Second thing. All right, team, what do we need to get in or build in as supports? First thing, you have a care manager that's immediately assigned to the case. That care manager is responsible to have regular contact with the foster parent. They have to do two face-to-faces. They have to have regular phone contact. They're also responsible to have at least four meetings with the child during the month. If it needs to be more, 
then we have to go out more. Mm -hmm. If it needs to be less, we'll look at the clinical needs and look at the goals and see how they're progressing. And if that should decrease, then we make that decision. If we have to additionally look at other supports for them from outside resources, whether it be therapy, a therapeutic program for mentoring or what have you, then we look and we make sure that we make that connection. That's our role. That's our. So how long does it how long? What's the average amount of time that a child stays with the foster family if they're not going to get adopted? Right. Because every kid you have is not adoptable. Some kids just need a temporary place or whatever for however long it takes for the family to do what it needs to do Mm -hmm. to 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 unify and bring the child back into the home. Now, typically speaking, DCF does not want a kid in care more than a year and a half. Mm -hmm. They're basically basing it on. If they are working with a child that's going to reunify with their family or whoever their caregiver was, they want to make sure that they're allowing them an opportunity to get themselves in order. So if you have someone who is substance abusing or has mental health problems or financial issues or whatever the situation may be, they're giving them steps as the adults in the equation to go out and get those things in order. Our job is to work with the kid to get them to a place where they can process what's going on become settled and be prepared once that parent gets themselves in order Mm -hmm. to possibly transition home. Now, if it doesn't happen and we have to go back and reassess and see if they need to stay in care longer in order for the parent to have a little bit of longer time to get it together, then we'll do that. But if we look over time and they say the parents really aren't able to get themselves where they need to be, this child may remain in care longer and we now need to consider whether or not the family they're currently staying with will take them and keep them longer Or if it does become a situation where now we're going to terminate parental rights of whomever the caregiver was, then we have to then look at is that family they're currently with, they can keep them. Or if they need to be a part of the transition plan for that child to find a forever home. Mm -hmm. So that time frame could go anywhere from six months, a year, 18 months. It could be two years. Wow. Yeah, it could be longer. I, I, you know what? I remember this. Well, I was a foster parent that adopted. So we didn't have kids in and out. Mm -hmm. Whatever kid came, that's the kid that was going to stay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what we would like to see parents be able to say, that that they're willing to do that. (laughs) Tanisha. You know, you you see me give Tanisha. This is ready. Y'all can't see my my face, right? Like, oh, no. Although I think adoption is probably one of the holiest things that you can do for uh for uh, children because oh is that Mike dead <laughs> oh this one is better okay uh, alright <laughs> see we try to we try to we try we to, try to it work right. it out yeah, right. say, okay I can hear you is that good I think are we good I'll move my chair yeah just move your chair over I don't know are we Facebook live I think we are alright oh, right, so they can see you people can people can see y'all so. alright hey so if y'all just tune in this is Baz Rolls Ivy this is Love Babs Love Talk the 10 o'clock show and um, I have Tanisha Bundy and Jackie Morris from uh, the Children's Community Community Program Program mm-hmm. on Blake Street. Right. And we're talking foster care and adoption today. And we're live streaming on New Haven Independent. This is 103.5 FM WNHH. All right. Okay. So how do y'all recruit families? How, are you, how do you get people? Well, we come out and we... <laughs> You know, radio interview on um, radio and uh, try to give the host the people. Yeah. <laughs> we do um we we vend at places mm-hmm. where we know it's like family oriented um we word of mouth mm-hmm. um i do a lot of my friends like you know we'll talk about fashion okay you have to stay right in front of that we'll talk about fashion and then i say hey you know you ever thought about <laughs> you look good with a child yeah. <laughs> 
Let's talk about the other F, fostering. <laughs> um, we pass information around social mm-hmm. media. We have a page on social media, which is the Children's Community Program page. Um, and we um, we talk and engage with other agencies around the state of Connecticut um, to kind of, what, what am I trying to say? To be planful about different events that we can either coordinate together okay. Or possibly if they're in a different region and they have a family that's contacted them from our region, Mm -hmm. um, then we will try to make our connection because sometimes it's too far. So you have a family that's in Hartford and we have an agency that's in Hartford, such as another agency, then we may refer that family to that agency and vice versa. Okay. So we we try to make it so that we're not we already know that we're putting um Families in a position where they're they're adding on to their daily activities. Mm-hmm. We already know that. So we try to decrease as much as we can the level of needing to go to other areas. So if we can, we try to keep them to our area. Mm-hmm. But we have no problem going anywhere. I mean, I was in Madison last night. The okay. night before that, we were in Bridgeport. The night before that, I was in, in uh, Monroe. So it is what it is mm-hmm. in terms of making sure that we have appropriate um, homes and families that are stable to be able to care for our children. Okay, so okay, so let's shift gears because I I hear all of that. Why are you two doing this work? Tell tell me why you're doing this work. What what has compelled you? How did you get here? Why are you doing it? And and just you know share that with us. Why am I doing this? Well, I'll I'll take it back to high school. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, I had a guidance counselor, Mrs. Lev, who poured into me that. You know, regardless of my my grades were not the greatest. I am not a great person in terms of um, testing. That is not my thing. But great personality. Um, I think I I do. I have a great personality. Um, great personality. I think you do too, Jen. And I and, and I take the time to to understand the people in my purpose in terms of being around them. I, I've always picked. I thought decent friends. Questionable right now. No, just playing. Um, but I always pick great people to be in my life. And Mrs. Lev was one of those people. And she assisted me. And I saw how she was able to connect with people. And that made me want to care more about people. So I made a decision to become a social worker so that possibly I can go into school guidance. And I never got there. Um, I ended up working in group homes um, in my early career uh, with children. And then I went on and I worked with adults um, at another agency where they had multiple issues and health issues, mental health issues and substance abuse issues. And then when I decided to go back to grad school in 2004, I decided that I wanted to take a different path and go back to children. And so that led me to doing two internships. One was in Bridgeport and the other was at the children's community programs. And while there, I met some phenomenal people and it was a great experience. And I decided, you know what, this might be what I want to do. 2006, I was an intern. 2007, I was employed by the agency. I did care management, which is the people that connect our families and make sure that they work with the kids. I did that for a few years, and then I decided, hey, I want to get into training, and I want to be able to have parents to understand the commitment that they're taking on to be able to service our children. Our children are our greatest access, but they can be less than great if they don't have the appropriate people behind them to push them along mm-hmm. into and at that times it feels like you're pulling them along. But when they get to that point, <laughs> it does feel like oh, that. I know I, I keep it. <laughs> the one thing that I will say about is that I always try to keep it real with my families. Mm-hmm. There's no need in me sugarcoating it. You need to know what you're dealing with. You know what you feel like when you look like a mess, you know what you feel like when you first get up in the morning 
and you know you don't have those people around that you think should be supporting and guiding you that's what our kids feel like probably times four when they first come into the system now it's our job to have them to decrease that feeling so that maybe it feels like time two and then possibly one and then maybe they'll go to zero and they'll think that they're all that in the back of chips Mm -hmm. oh i'm really eating myself right there but anyway (laughs) but just the same you know wanting to be able to have that ability to have people to come in and really say, I can stick it out with a kid and do this work, even mm-hmm. when they give me the worst sides of themselves. That comes periodically, but what great things you can do when you have a kid and you've been able to give them what they need and then they finally do get it. And you're like, whoa, wait, wait, they got it? They're supposed to get up and actually be a part of society and actually do things that every typical kid does. And they Mm -hmm. can feel like that's okay for them to do. And they're safe in your environment and you're the person to be able to continue to help them along. That's why I do this Mm -hmm. because, as you know, and I know like great in terms of pay and um but <laughs> so it's really a labor stop. of love it's a, it, i mean they a, pay you i'm sure they do pay us but, but you know I, and i'm getting it, you I'm ain't making funny. you're not getting hedge fund money <laughs> no we ain't getting hedge fund money no we're not doing that but i will say this you know in terms of and that joking aside in terms of the passion of wanting to have good families have a good group of people around good bad or indifferent you know we have to stick it out it's sort of like family i spend more time probably with tanisha than i do with my own cousins Mm -hmm. like you know in an eight-hour day about seven and a half about seven of a half Mm -hmm. you know we somewhere (laughs) around each other and it gets like sisterly after a period of time but in terms of our goal this the same goal is there Mm -hmm. we want decent people to step up and continue to do the work that we know can be done to help our kids along so Tanisha, how long have you been doing this? I've no, I've not known you a long time, so no. so I can't speak to how long you've known, how long you've done this work. So tell me, how I've long been, you been in doing? the field for about fifteen years. Okay, um, most people don't know this, but when I first started going to school, I was going to Quinnipiac for pre-law. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the attitude of a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, but my heart, my heart is with advocacy, um, and so I decided to leave pre-law and go. I was like, you know what? It's about money right now. So I went for a business degree. In the middle of getting my degree, I said, I want to help people the other day. I can't see myself in a a room with four walls just for numbers. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get out there. So um, I had a friend who worked at JFS in Hamden and was like, listen, you know what? Why don't you come? Because back then it really didn't take much to work with kids. Um, And so I did. Once I got in, I was I knew this is what I was going to do. I am an advocate at heart for those who can't advocate for themselves. And I always grew up hearing from my family, your children are a future. You children are a future. The children are a future. This is my way of investing. Um, because if we look at the state of our children now, what does that say about our future? Mm-hmm. And I feel like somebody has to do it. Somebody has to get down in the trenches. Stop talking about it and be about it. I it's agree. okay to be I'm in the public eye and you can, you know what I mean? People don't tell their story anymore. You know, kids just see, oh, they got a Mercedes. They got a house. They dress fly. They didn't tell their story how they got there. They didn't say the first 10 years I struggled. Mm -hmm. I was homeless, but I went to school and I kept on. I had people in my life investing in me, supporting me, telling me you can do this. People don't see that and they don't hear it anymore. So these kids who feel like they want that life, they go for it by any means necessary. You don't know how it breaks my heart to hear some we losing our kids, our, mainly our men, our young boys, in the streets to violence. Mm-hmm. And I know they have parents. 
But what were they taught at home? Was there not enough love at home? Was it not enough support at home? Was it a dysfunctional home? Mm -hmm. Did they feel like they had to go get something because it was in a one parent home? And so I felt like this was my calling. This was something that my God said, well, you're going to grow up in the projects. You're going to see what goes on in projects. Then you're going to grow up a single parent. Mm -hmm. Not only are you going to be a single parent, you're going to be a single parent to a son and a daughter. So you're going to have to figure out how to do this. You're going to be a single parent so you can address and approach what you want to do, what you love to do as far as advocate from that manner. And that's what I do. I don't usually tell people my age, but I don't look my age because I grew up in the projects. That's how I reach out to my, my young kids. I tell my boss all the time, I know we're professional, but there's an approach that you have to take with kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they knew my age, they'd be like, Miss Tanisha, bye. Like, what do you know? <laughs> but I come to them, Babs, and I have to tell you this. I have to come to them in a way that they'll understand me. Mm -hmm. So when I approach a boy, because I raised a boy, he's 26. He's a man now. When I approach him, they look at me like, here you come. Yes, here I come. So I'm like, listen, sit next to me. So, you know, what's up? What's going on with you? And they're looking at me like, this professional talking about something. What's up? Hey, what's up? What's going on with your day? I don't want to talk right now. I get that. You have every right. But when you ready to talk, come to me because I really got something to talk to you about. All right. And that you start building your rapport. Mm -hmm. Like, I think God gave me the gift of building rapport with these young kids. They are our future. They're my future. And if I don't help them, why am I here? Mm -hmm. So this is why I got into it, because I felt that I had the gift of building rapport with younger children to let them know. Life happens, mm -hmm. but you will make it through. It's not easy. Some people make it seem easy. It's not easy at all. Oh, You're going to have parents that are not there. Mm -hmm. You're going to have teachers that really don't care. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the community that's beat down and may need to. But even if it's that one person that gives you structure, that gives you, every time you look at them, mm -hmm. it's like, everything going to be all right. Remember what we talked about? Mm -hmm. That builds them. Yep. And so the, true and the saying is true. If you could just save one child, that's your work. That's true. That's I like one ripple that goes out. I agree. I have four children. And mm -hmm. it, it is they have been the best thing that I've ever done. Adopting these ch children, hands down, barring all the degrees and whatever success I've garnered in my life, the best thing I've ever done, my husband, my then husband and I did, was adopt these children. And we are still committed. I mean, mm -hmm. even though we are divorced, mm -hmm. we co-parent beautifully. I talk to him every single day about our kids every day. And if I don't talk to him, I get a text or we emailing and, and his wife and his wife. Mm -hmm. We, we are all partners in this thing. Okay. So we have built a village and a community for these children. Um, and the village is vast mm -hmm. and strong because I don't think you can raise kids by yourself. And I know we encourage that. as I well. Couldn't. Yes. So we encourage that. Even when you take on the role of wanting to become a foster or adoptive parent, we ask you um, as a part of the paperwork as you're <laughs> becoming committed to this process, because, you know, it's a lot of paperwork. Babs. I know you do. Oh, girl. I it know. is a lot of home paperwork and it's a lot of training, home studies. And I remember I remember all, you that remember all of that. Yes. See, you can do it again. It's no problem. You, know you got See, this. This is where the show goes awry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm not going to sound like a stalled engine online. <laughs> But what I will say is that we encourage we encourage our families also to build Jack, their builders. Jack, if you builders. find me a husband, I would do it again. Woo, 
I got now I got two now I gotta be matchmaker. I need yes, to find girl. myself one yet. Can well, we handle then, this? See, then you see. You find me a husband to, and I'll say right. I do and I will do this again. Okay. I can't do this again. Well, hence the reason. <laughs> but that's all right. You can do this. You could definitely do it. But anyway. Cause you know, we look, look, now we try to take them in. We take in couples. We take in single individuals. <laughs> I know you do. We take in older folks that think that they you know can't they, do they, it. they they try well they think that they can't do it okay. but there's a there's a there's a part that everyone plays in this mm-hmm. and I tell my some of my older families who might have been considering to stopping and I said can you just be a respite parent because there is a difference can you be that help when you, can you be the grandma or the auntie can you serve as that in this process for a family who's choosing to do it full time. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing, then I will do that. So that means that you get to pick and choose. You know, if my family says they're going away because the husband and wife need a moment away from the children and you can say, Oh, I can take them for this particular weekend. Then that's great. Mm -hmm. And that's something that our kids can look upon you as their grandmother or their auntie or their uncle or what have you. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we look for as well, because we try to create that family like atmosphere for our kids and then hopefully over a period of time they really feel like oh yeah these are these are family can i go over miss such and such house or auntie's house or in some of my family's cases they they consider themselves uncle b um (laughs) can i go over uncle b's house this weekend i'm like well let me call and see if uncle b is available and if he is have at it go i'm good i'm great so jackie tell me what kind of training do families potential parents get or potential yeah potential parents get what is that like? How long does it take? Like, you just can't walk Ooh. in the door and say, all right, I'm ready. You have to walk in the so door and say, I'm ready. So this is where it gets ready. a little tricky. And then Gab's busting us up on it. Yeah, yeah, look. <laughs> this is where it gets a little tricky. We try to go over that a little bit. We try to glaze over that. But no, but in, in all seriousness, we offer 37 hours of training. Mm-hmm. And with the 30 hours, it's considered TIPS MAPS training, which is a trauma-informed curriculum that we have to do. And that's actually a state regulation. We have to offer that as training for our incoming foster parents. The other seven hours are clinically based, and they're based on different things. So we've done um, information about self-care for foster families coming in because you need to understand what it is that you need to do for yourself in order to be okay to refill yourself when you mm-hmm. pour it into others. Um, we also look at it from the point of view of different diagnoses that the kids have and trying to apply different methods to be able to assist them as you're working with them. Mm-hmm. And um, we also have monthly trainings that we offer at our agency. Every third Tuesday of the month, we offer a training that we offer in the morning, in the morning session from 10 to 12 and an evening session, 630 to 830. So that families that work in the evening could come in the morning and vice versa. And um, if we need to do anything additional to be able to support a family so that they have better knowledge about different things um, as they're going through the process, we do that as well. So we'll refer out to other agencies if we feel as if you need additional information. Um, And I think the other pieces that we do, like you said, the home visits, that's us building a rapport with our families. Me staying at somebody's home yesterday for two hours, if not longer, was really just to assure them that they have the they have the skills, they mm-hmm. have the ability. You know, you may feel like you need to have multiple degrees to be able to do this. A kid is a kid. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is you can have 25 degrees. It doesn't matter. Each kid is different. And yes, you can pull knowledge from all those different places where you've re- required or received that information from. But the bottom line is, we need to know your heart is in the right place. We know, need to know that you will follow and set boundaries and be consistent with our kids. We need to know that you're going to stick it out. That's mm-hmm. that's the biggest 
piece for me. Okay. And being yeah. a willing participant. That's that is a that is a huge piece because it is a huge commitment of time and mm-hmm. effort. I do know it's that. a partnership. It yes. really is. It's almost it's like it's a marriage. Mm-hmm. And also, um, we're at a therapeutic level. There's different levels of care. And we're at a therapeutic level. So with therapeutic, there will be and we want our foster parents or, you know, our prospect foster parents to understand that there will be some agencies in and out of your home because the children will come or may come with diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so they'll have clinical services and they'll have other services. Oh, that's a good point to know. Mm-hmm. They'll have other services. Mm-hmm. So every time an agency comes, because I think the biggest myth is um, they just want to be nosy. It's yeah. not that. <laughs> we don't want to be nosy, DCF but we want to make sure. be up all in my yes. business. And that, mm-hmm. is, that is far from the truth. <laughs> DCF will be in the business of the child. Mm-hmm. They want to, remember, we they, no, we they just pulled the child from a situation that could have been abuse or neglect. So they want to make sure that this child has one, they they place them in the right home and get them what they need. They have needs that need to be met. Now, another thing about our foster parents is when you first become a parent of your own child, if you've ever become a parent of your own child, it's scary because you don't know. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine raising someone else's child? Mm -hmm. So I know that that is a fear and that's why we are building our um, rapport with our families because we're here with you. We're 24 hours because our work hours are from like 830 to five. But then you have on call mm-hmm. until the next morning. So, so you're never, never alone. Be, they're mm-hmm. never so alone. You like, can oh, call I can't, us. I have to call. I have to wait till the next morning. Call. Nope. You can yeah. call any time okay. of the day and the phone will be answered. If there's a crisis going on, um, a solution will be, you know, done. Um, it's just I, you know, when I talk to prospect families, I, I tell them the truth. Like Jackie said, you be straight up with them. You know, this isn't an easy task. But you have a whole, you have a team as well as the children, the child or the children having a team as well. There are people that will be in tow. You're not going through this by yourself. Mm-hmm. You are opening your heart and you are opening your home and we're very appreciative. And not only us, but the child would be as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'll say this and I'll let Jackie take over. But I always say this. Children, can you imagine as an adult going through half of the stuff children are going through? With our mind, we're double, most of us are fully developed and we're able to understand and process. As a child who was still developing, going through trauma, not knowing how to process what is happening or what has happened, mm-hmm. the only way to know how to communicate that is through their behaviors. Mm-hmm. That's why when you see these children in the community, you don't point your finger at them. What's wrong with them? No judgment. You don't know their story. They had to do it on their own as a child. I don't know how to do this. I tell people all the time, I'm a woman. If I got my heart broken by a man, we get we, we go down for a little while because we got to get ourselves together. A child being neglected or abused by their parent, someone who was supposed to love them, the first person that was supposed to love them. How do you how do you process this? How do you recover? Now, now how do you recover? How do I trust another adult? If I can't trust the ultimate adult, how? So this is why we prepare our prospect and current foster parents because no matter what you are, you will be providing structure. You are something firm. They mm-hmm. know that they can always come to you. They know because most of them be like, they don't really care about me. They don't really care about me. But we need you to say just because this happened, an adult maybe put you in that position doesn't mean that this adult will do that. Mm-hmm. This adult wants to see you successful. That's all most kids want because I'm telling you, we have some talented kids. I'm amazed at these kids. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about talented. I'm. Oh, bad. no, I'm one little ta- boy. He just oh, recently did a. Uh, he did a whole. 
rap song. Really, I'm aging myself today. What is going on? But anyway, I let that go Um, because I make myself laugh right now. But he just did a whole he just did a whole thing. And I will say it was amazing. It talked about his journey. It was the one way that he was able to express himself and not feel that he was going to be judged. We looked past all the, you know, profanity that was in it because (laughs) because the story behind it, we understood he Mm -hmm. needed to he needed to say what he needed to say. And we can appreciate that. The other thing that I will say is one of the things that we always do as the adults, especially as prospective families, there's this um, thought that we should acclimate. The kids should acclimate to our homes. They should. But I need you to acclimate to where they are when they come to your home. Mm -hmm. Don't be so quick to to be like, well, they won't do this and they won't do that. They're trying to get to know what is appropriate in your home. It's a building of a relationship from the very beginning. When we start those initial meetings before they're actually placed in your home, because we do a couple of visits beforehand before we say that's your your base and that that child can be there. So we try our best to be able to look and focus on that in the beginning so that you can see if you can continue that process with them. And if it's not working, then we we adjust that and we try to address it and move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I just wanted to put that out there. OK, that's good. I think that's appropriate. So talk to me a little bit about like if people don't want to foster and adopt, how how what are other ways they can support your organization? What else can people do? They can donate. They can donate. (laughs) They can donate. They can donate clothes. They can donate money. Because you have Um, kids that come that need things. We do have kids that come in that need things. But one of the things that we are looking to do is to build, um, build a community of folks that are willing to give different things. Mm -hmm. Services are good because we look for therapeutic services, or we look for services that they're interested in. So the arts are big with our kids. Mm -hmm. Things that are going to build their self esteem. So we always look for that. Money is good because money is good for the kids, but it's also good because we want to be able to support our families. So we want to give them a nice dinner each year. Mm-hmm. We want to offer them an opportunity to be able to have some what we call retention, you know, programming. But we <laughs> want to be able to offer them like if we had a, we had a one of our, our regional um, supporters, they had like a pajama night for the families. Mm-hmm. And for, this was for the adults. So they can come. They had mimosas and <laughs> And they watched a movie and they had a pamper me night. (laughs) So, you know, and I thought that was great. And then having something that would offer our families and we want to have more of this collaboration with our families to be able to see some of the other things that they want to do, whether Mm -hmm. it be a trip to the casino, just to be able to de-stress. But we have some some things that we're offering at the agency to be able to support so they don't have to have the kids be on respite or go with other families or Mm -hmm. have those other family members that do support them be actually able to attend and they can see each other in a different light and be able to have that time to recoup as well. Mm-hmm. So we want to be important. able to do that. I think it's important to know that other people can support. Right. And they can support. Also, we have a mentor program. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you don't want to foster and you feel like you want to mentor a child, then you can come in through our mentoring program. And that, that is a big help as well. Cause a lot of our children are looking for mentors, mm-hmm. especially male mentors. And, right. We are looking for male mentors. We love all our mentors. Don't get me I wrong. Know, I know what you mean. I know but exactly we, we are mean. looking for male mentors because we have a lot of young boys that are coming into our agency at different points in times and they need different different people at different stages in their right. life to be able to and impart knowledge that I can't. And if you never get to see supportive men in your life, right. then it's very difficult for you to become a supportive man. There or you to, go. You know, so, 
So that is, I understand Even though we that. have some strong women that support our young boys. Of course. It, they still say, you know, it's great. And but, and they also will build on their village mm-hmm. to have somebody that's a strong support to be able to be a part of that child's life as well. So tell me, what's the best part of this job? Best part of this job is when I see the families that are actually in it for the right reason. And they actually have a kid in there. And the next thing you know, you have this great melting pot of a parent and children. And those are their kids. Like, no, no, take off the foster, take off the adopt. Those are my babies. And that's like the biggest reward. Like one family that I'm working with right now, I'm so excited for the two little girls that she's, you know, been able to work with. And now they're in her care, supposedly fostering. But they're going to be from day one. She saw a picture of them. That was all she did. She saw a picture, read this story and decided those are my girls, period. Jackie, make it happen. Make it happen. The first time around when we were doing the matching process wasn't chosen. The second time around, I come into work. I see the email and I'm like, are you kidding me? And when I tell you, I said to her when the first time it didn't happen, You know, she was unsure as to because she's a single person, if that was part of the issue. When I tell you she fanned out and brought in a whole village, (laughs) she was like, oh, you're never going to have that chance again. And then when this opportunity came back to her, it's been the greatest thing to see. So whatever I needed to do to support her, to have her to understand when the first time came around and it felt like a rejection, helping her through that, but also imparting to her that you're there for someone. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't happen to be these two girls, it's okay. There, there'll be another. That's unfortunate to say, but it's a great thing to say because you have somebody who's willing to give their heart. Once she did get these girls, I'm not disappointed at all. She's given her all to these girls. Oh, good. And that's that's the biggest reward: the long nights, the the having the phone calls, the fifty million emails, <laughs> the weariness of I got to talk to you again. I got over all of that Mm -hmm. because of the simple fact that I see the girls, they are thriving, they're doing great. And she's doing everything that we would want a foster parent to do in terms of reaching back. The the girls were with other people before she's incorporated them into her life as well to be able to continue to support that village and that family that they had, Um, as well as their biological family. Because I do want to say to our families, they have to be willing to partner because if it's in the best interest of our kids to have them still have some connection to where they came from, mm-hmm. they should have that opportunity because that makes them feel more um, more valued. Mm-hmm. They continue to know their culture. They continue to know their connections. They continue to know their bloodline mm-hmm. and what things are going on. And I think that's been the biggest reward mm-hmm. that I see. When I have those moments, then that, that kind of trumps all the other stuff that I've gone through in the week and the people that I had to fight with or whatever. <laughs> When I'm advocating, because look, sometimes it sometimes it gets rough. Uh, listen, sometimes it gets rough. But me, when it does get rough, we try to make sure that we do what we need to do. Yeah, we do. But for me to watch a child evolve, because um, sometimes it's rough when they come in. I'm I'm not gonna tell a story. It's the human side of us. It comes in. It's very sad. Sometimes we be in there crying, tearing up. It's it's sad because of it's sad because of what you know that the child went through. Um, but when we do place them with, to me, would be the perfect family. Mm-hmm. They may not be a perfect family, but they're perfect for that right. child. When we place them with that and you, 
six months later, this child is smiling. This child is now on all kind of programs, now talking to everyone. And, you know, when they come in the office, it's just like, oh, my God, like, yes, we just we just <laughs> saved. Like, I'm telling you, you get this like, oh, thank, thank, because you knew. I don't want to say the fate of the child, but when the child came in, it was just the saddest. Sure. It was the sad. It was the saddest thing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the best thing about this job, knowing that when we have the perfect family for one of our perfect babies, and it works, it works, it works, and and, and this child evolves and becomes successful. Now we have people come and say, "All I just want to do is respite. All I just want to do is foster. I'm not adopting." And guess what happened? Mm-hmm. They, they adopted. Adopt you wasn't going to take those babies from them. Now, <laughs> just like we're going to draw you back in. We're going to draw you back into the fold. Right. Yes. Look, yes. Get, Harry, get my plane ready. <laughs> my plane ready. I'll follow you to Europe. <laughs> you can take a baby. <laughs> we look. <laughs> we do interstate compacts. Yes, we, we do, do a country. Oh, a country. <laughs> we can go interstate compacts. All right. So now do you see children who you've seen come into the system, come into your program get placed and they're like grown up mm-hmm. and, and so tell me a little bit about what that's like to see that uh, well for me you know it's funny because when they first come funny. in you know they don't want to work with you and they're just like wow but then all of a sudden once they become like an adult and go out on their own the majority of the time if they see you out in public they're like hey i get this miss tanisha <laughs> Hey, Miss Tanisha, <laughs> listen, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Because, you know, sometimes they come to the office and, I, I, and Jackie can, you know, tell her story. But they'll come to the office and they will let you have it. <laughs> and you just you just sit you there sit like, there what like... did I do? And I'm talking about let you have it all the time. They come in. The, the administrator is calling you. Uh, such and such is coming down the hall and they don't look happy. And that's fine. Because what, six months later, when you see them out, they're just like, so much thank you so much like i really appreciate you know i still remember what you said to me and it's those moments that like thank you i'm glad i was placed in that position at that time for mm-hmm. that child because some people understand on top of growing a nor- okay we'll say not normal we'll say a child who is in their biological home who has a fear upcoming they want to start exploring stuff they get into a, a, a time where they are experiencing independence and they want to explore. Now, can you imagine a youth that is coming through the system with all the trauma in tow, still trying to get to know themselves and try to experience independence with all this stuff behind them? So with those children, which we serve, um, we provide, we, we have some kids we can't even get rid of. We're like, this is not home. <laughs> They're just like, no, <laughs> they, they keep coming, coming here. back to the office. They'll sit like, in the office all home? day. They'll sit in the office. They know we're going to feed them. We're going to joke with them. That We call them our office babies. Office Everybody baby. knows. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Everybody knows when they come into office, whoever office they want to go into, just go ahead. What do you want to eat? Um, because they feel that connection. Yeah. That's what they want. Believe yeah. it. I tell people, these people, these these children want connections. Yeah. But they don't know who That's to true. connect with. They're afraid. Yeah. So. And you have created a safe place. Two more minutes, Harry. Okay. So you've created a safe place for these children. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and they know it, mm-hmm. and you become their village, and so they go back to what they to where they are the most safe. And when they can become reflective mm-hmm. about their experience that they've had. So you asked about the success stories. I never forget when one of the young men came back, and he had went through he went through our entire program. He was in the foster care. He was adopted. Um, he went through um, some of our other portions of our program. We have a youth development program. So he was a young man who was able to go through our home improvement program. 
he got his um, contractor certification or license and he was doing his own business. And one day he came to me and he started talking about, he said, I was a mess growing up, wasn't I? And I started laughing. I was like, well, what are you talking about? He said, I remember giving my care manager such a hard time. And she was just trying to be nice and trying to help me to get along. He said, I can appreciate that now. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and and that to me was like a testament to That's the, the work he's grown up. that he's, that he's done on positive, himself. Because yeah. I know adults who won't own won't own, own your stuff. Yeah, won't own it. And they won't adults. own your stuff. And he's been able to get to that place where he can own where he is. I'm not saying that he's <laughs> making thousands of dollars or whatever his situation may be, but he's doing such great things and he still has the support of a great family behind him and still sees us as a support when he needs it. Well, I'm so glad that you all could come today. This was a rich conversation. It was. I am a fan of adoption and foster care because I it was a mother who adopted. And I, you're right. You know, I... I rarely think of my children as adopted. Mm-hmm. I only do it, and and they and they they stop me now. They're like, "Oh, could you just not tell people we're adopted?" You know, when they were teenage, when they were young teenagers or, or middle school, they were like, "Could you just?" Not? But I'd be proud to tell people because I wanted to take the fear and the, the unknown out of what it looked like to adopt children, right? Mm-hmm. Especially as black people, that we do adopt our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, not enough, but we do do it. And so, um, so I never think of them as a. I just think of them as that's my kids. That's a whole kids. other conversation so because that's say. how we started. Yeah, that's how that's how people started. Not only black folks, but that's how we started. You know, we each one teach one, each one reach one. We yes. pull up in our family if something happens, you bring them you in. Just bring them in. You yeah. come home one day, you ain't got a bed. You like, wait a minute, hold up. What what, what happened? Or about what five happened? of you in there? You no, know, or, or about five of you in there. You in the bed, and there's about three on the floor. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is, and it's what we do. And I I hope it's something that we continue to practice to do to be able to support you know our community and make it a better place. Because yeah. you know, a lot of what I'm seeing in terms of division, if we were looking at look at it that way, I grew up wanting to have inclusiveness and mm-hmm. wanting to be able to share my experience because it was a great one. I didn't care nothing about being black or white or green. I wanted to know about, could I come in your yard and play in that, on that swing? What's that? That's, that's good? Okay. You, I don't care nothing about you, Jewish. I just want to swing on the swing. <laughs> right. And right. just be who we are. Just and, be who we and are. And be able to support one another as we do when we foster and we adopt. Well, thank you, come Jackie. Thank you, Tanisha. <laughs> and it's the Children's Community Program. Community Program. Of Connecticut of Incorporated. Connecticut. At 203-786-6403, extension 178. On uh, Blake Street, 446. Blake Street in New Haven. That's right. So Come thank on by. You. This is good. You guys <laughs> have to come back and us. just talk about this a little bit more because I think there's so much that we could explore around this subject. So thank you, Harry, for producing. So we're going to play me out and uh, I'll be back next week. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We'll just keep talking